You're listening at Exchange by Evolution, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the APEC region. I am Danielle, Senior Consultant of Evolution Recruitment Solution, and I help connect business with tech talent. And today, I am your host. So welcome to another episode of the Evolution Exchange. Um, today, we'll be discussing the topic of creating a culture of product excellence. I'm delighted to be joined by three senior thought leaders within this space. So we have Nalin Kuma, Director of Product from Scythe, Max Zalvita, CPO of Money Smart, and Katik Rajeshwaran, Head of Product of Janu Asia. Hi everyone. So before we start, quick disclaimer, um, the, the thoughts and opinions shared within this podcast only represent the opinion and perspective of each individual and not the representative of the whole company. So just a quick heads up. Um, so with that out of the way, let's start by a quick introduction. So maybe we can start from the right of the room. Maybe we can start with Max. Yeah. Hi everyone, my name is Max. Um, I'm originally Italian. I'm Chief Product Officer for Money Smart Group. I've uh, been in Singapore for four and a half years. Uh, Money Smart Group uh, is uh, pretty famous here for the blog and we do. Um, we have a pretty successful aggregation uh, website for personal finance. So if you want to search for insurance products or credit cards, uh, I think that's probably the best way, place to go. And we recently, just a shame from black, I'm just going to plug it in, but we recently launched uh, Bubblegum, uh, which is uh, a digital insurance uh, app and web uh, where you can buy travel insurance, car insurance, uh, uh, term life, and many others very soon. Uh, so these are it's a very interesting angle to personal insurance. If you're interested and you want to buy something, please visit. I think uh, you, you will love it. All right, thanks for that. Naveen, we'll bring hey, up to you. Yeah. Hey guys, I'm Naveen. Uh, where to start? Over 15 years of experience working in product space, predominantly product management. Uh, worked with various companies of various sizes from e-commerce to education, predominantly around fintech, right? Uh, currently, I'm a director of product with Scythe. Uh, Scythe is an investment platform that empowers users to build their wealth, right? And we are a Singapore headquartered company operating Hong Kong and Australia, right? Glad to be part of this uh, discussion. Yeah, great to have you. And Karthik, glad to have you back. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, glad to be back everyone. My name is Karthik. Uh, currently the head of product at Janio. I have been all around the world. Um, currently have been in Singapore for the past year and a half. Leading product at Janio, as I mentioned, which is a fourth-party logistics company. Uh, in a nutshell, what we do is act as the platform that connects multiple different logistics service providers across all of Asia uh, and provides services to e-commerce businesses. Right, So anyone that needs to ship any product from one country in Asia to another simply integrates with our platform and simply has to let us know where it needs to start from and where it needs to end up. And we connect many different service providers. So. Uh, a truck in one country, an airline, and a motorbike driver delivering it to your house all through our platform and makes life easy for e-commerce shippers. Yeah, yeah. Great to have you guys all on this episode. It's going to be a super interesting one. So like I said, in this episode, we'll be talking about creating a culture of product excellence. And in today's market, of course, where technology is advancing at a rapid pace, having a strong product management culture has become essential for companies to stay competitive. So in this podcast, we'll discuss um, what it means to have a culture of product excellence, you know, how companies can build one, and of course, how to track the measure of its effectiveness. So let's start off with the first question. So the first question is, what does it mean to have a culture of product excellence? So anyone want to start? I'll, I'll leave it to the gentleman with more, more experience <laughs> than years on the team. Uh, maybe I'll uh, get it cracking and, and would love to hear from others as well, right? 
to me, like a product culture, a culture of excellence, right, has uh, something I define like this, right? When autonomous team who are highly engaged continuously discovers and obsessed with customer problems, right? And they solve meaningful customer problems, right? And the byproduct is value for our customers and value for the business, right? And this is the entire process, right? When it's done well at a company level and not only at a product team level, right? That to me is a product culture, right? Yeah, yeah, it's and I mean absolutely spot on. I think you know reflecting, you know, what is product culture and what is culture in general, right? Because I think. Uh, there's a lot of people who uh, talk about it, talking about it and asking like and trying to understand. The problem with, with, with this is that it's hard to define, right? Product culture as a company culture, it's fundamentally the sum of all the actions that people do in the organization day to day and all the decisions they take, all the things that they do together, right? That's what defines the culture. And what Naveen just said are the, some of the important pillars uh, that actually drive good decision taking and uh, teams that are then effective and able to work together to produce something that has a lot of value, right? Being user centric, being data driven, being understand understanding exactly what is the value that is being created and and uh, the processes that are being aligned. You know, putting making sure that large teams work together e- efficiently is a very difficult thing, right? Um, if you're an individual contributor, it's, you know, you can probably, and you're very good, you're very skillful, you can go and do things, uh, you know, very effectively. But having a larger organization working together efficiently is extremely complicated. You need to have these larger pillars that are then defined into a product culture that help them to decide and to work together very closely. I think this, this is an important thing, but it's not easy to define. It's very, Absolutely. it's not easy to transfer and to make sure because it's not something you can look at. You have to do it every day, right? So it's a very important, very difficult thing. And this is why I let them go first. <laughs> they said pretty much everything I, I would have. Um, no, I think, I think spot on from, from both of them. And uh, the hard part is that it's very difficult to define, but I think the pillars as mentioned are real customer value and focus um, then of course business value and, and outcomes yeah. to deliver. Uh, I think maybe one additional point I'll, I'll mention is that the form of excellence will vary depending on the value proposition of your business and the key drivers of how you deliver your value. So I think um, maybe a lot of modern product management meaning like the last five to ten years the assumption is that it's just digital products only um, and I, I think that's easier to wrap your head around. However, a lot of companies are still driven by technology and products and may not seem like they're traditional pure software or digital product companies. So being in logistics, yeah. selling uh, financial service products, selling investment or offering investment uh, products, right? Fundamentally, you have to bring many different teams and departments together. And I think that's what product excellence and overall company excellence is. Mm-hmm. And I think the really strongest or best product managers or product leaders are people who learn how to piece everything together, yeah. bring multiple teams and people together, fundamentally to understand what is it as a company that we are delivering to customers, how do we get that uh, irrespective of what that mm. Okay, I understand. So you guys think it's really hard to define, but there has to be, I guess, some elements of a strong product management culture. I mean, do you guys you know, have like a top three or you know, what is your top element you think? Right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's a like very true, right? Uh, the couple of common elements that you can figure out uh, in this quest for this culture or excellence, right? Teams to have common shared understanding of how how they want to operate, right? Predominantly good product teams or good teams knows what's the common operating principle, right? Right? They do questions a lot of assumption. They begin with the uh, knowledge that hey, that we start with a lot of assumptions, right? So common operating principles uh, should be very clear, right, within the team. That could be one. Uh, the other one is the clarity of what are we trying to solve, right? And why are we trying to solve, right? So most of these uh, teams are mission driven, right? And they cut across product managers, designers, business, engineering, and so on and so forth, right? I think I feel these uh, two segments, right, uh, are very critical. And the third one is predominantly around uh, how do you create that continuous feedback loop in a safe space, right? How do you say that, hey, this is not working and, and anyone in the team can say that, hey, this is not working, there's a better way. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, to me, the, these three components are part of uh, key uh, visible areas if the culture is turning towards that excellence. Okay. And do you guys agree? Yeah, very much. Um, I think, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll add on to that. And I, I, hope, I think that'll be a common theme, right? Because whatever each one says, I'm sure we'll be thinking, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless someone throws something. Sure. Yes, and, and maybe, maybe we'll maybe we'll get to that, right? Um, in in terms of I guess what a healthy or good product culture looks like, or maybe an excellence, if you will. I'll start from my view of what I think uh, a good individual product manager should have or should think like in the first place. Is the three buckets I view are one always know how to think like a customer. Uh, know how to think like a business owner so or your CEO so understand what is on top of their mind and then know how to think like an investor right both you investing your own money and resources your team's money and resources or energy and also literally from the investors that have put money into your business why have they chosen to do so because at the end of the day assuming you are a venture-backed company there is there are a different set of constraints coming into your business so you kind of have to have these things in your mind at all times um, and that then lays the foundation for, okay, cool. How do you expand that thinking to your, from your, in your sort of individual team to your broader product team and then across the business as well. And if you have that mindset, you will most likely end up coming to the right outcomes and, and results. Uh, and I think a, a key point around the operating principles of asking why and understanding the reasons behind your problem is just providing context as much as possible, right? Um, the, the motivation for the problem at hand or the opportunity at hand, who you are going to impact, the potential impact it will have, and then you get to the solution. Right? I think that's the real sort of evolution or difference from a project mindset, as they call it, to a product mindset. Yeah. I think all of these are absolutely accurate. If I can add maybe a couple of things more, just um, to, to provide maybe a slight different, not different angle, but kind of a, in addition, I think, a strong kind of a data centric uh, view, right? So being always, you know, more and more when you work with, with, with people in the business or, or even larger organization, sometimes you hear uh, phrases like, I feel, I think, 
uh, we should because the, you know and 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 so because it, and it's a natural thing right and when you look at a problem you 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 tend to put your own view onto the problem you think that this is the only way to look at the problem um, but um, folk, forcing yourself to go back to the data and really understand uh, what is happening uh, together with being user centric together being with the understanding exactly where you're going in terms of the vision, but having the true understanding of where is the problem, I think is, a, is an important aspect. And if I may, another one, also kind of a, sort of like an owner mentality, right? Mm -hmm. So really understand like kind of a, uh, that, that people need to, so product manager, I think one aspect is really this accountability in terms of uh, taking responsibility for this and just making sure that things are happening because ultimately product managers are not responsible for anything, right? I mean, they're not developers, they're not uh, uh, copywriter, they're not marketing people, they're not designers, but they ultimately own the customer, right? So they ultimately are responsible to deliver something that generates value for the customer. In order to do that, you need to have an owner mentality. You need to understand exactly that this is the problem we're going to have to drive to be able to basically uh, guide it through and, 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 and bring it at the end. And I think this is a very important aspect, uh, part of the culture. Yeah. Yeah. Super interesting. Yeah. So I guess everyone has been tuning into this and it's of course, how can companies build this culture? So, I mean, I would love to hear how you guys have done it for your own company or previous companies, but I mean, or what you think that you should be doing. I mean, what do, what do you guys think? I think this is a this is a very uh, hard thing to replicate, like Max said, right? But of course, we can start uh, looking at this from a different angle, right? Mm. Uh, the angle here is, hey, as a team, we win together, right? And it's not just product team, right? I emphasize the product again, again, right? It's not just the product team leading and everyone following. Right? Yeah. So it starts with how do we plan, right? The planning clarity, like most of the companies do this okayly, or you know, quarterly OKR okay. system, right? Objective key whistles, right? And that's a great opportunity for companies to foster this uh, ground up uh, understanding of customers, understanding of problems, and giving them the guardrail, right? How you plan and give that alignment, right, would be a very good starting point to essentially foster this team's ownership, right, in terms of the problem space, in terms of deep customer understanding, so on and so forth, right. That is one angle to, uh, you know, I've personally experienced in many companies, right, uh, that has effectively worked from an ownership point, from an entire team engagement point, and a quick discovery of problems within that, right. Uh, so that I would uh, see uh, a starting point. Definitely. Uh, I mean, just to just to keep commenting on this specific topic, I think uh, you know uh, Amazon uh, strategy. Actually, there's a nice book uh, that says basically work backwards, right? Uh, which is an interesting way of thinking. It's like, uh, what do you mean about working backwards? I mean, why should I do it? Because you need to have a clear vision of what you want to do, right? Because if you have clarity in terms of directions, uh, then it's always easier to align people. And a lot of the part of the product management culture is, uh, is about aligning, making sure that all these things know exactly where we're going, how we're going to do it, what are the steps. That's why planning is so important. But it's also you also need to know where you're going. So 
work backwards from your for your final objective and then try to understand how to to, to get there right um, part of the amazon culture is is what you say is like stubborn on the vision and flexible on the execution basically right so let's try to define the things then of course there are going to be many different ways how you reach that point um, but if everybody's clear crystal clear on that this direction everything else is going to be 10 times easier and i think it's part of the communication and alignment so yeah well, that's an excellent point right like we used to do this uh, same amazon way of press releasing <laughs> yeah right? press release, we do yes. a press release and then send it to uh, you know, uh, our potential customers to review it and say, do you see a value in it, right? Uh, similarly, you can share it to your stakeholders and say, hey, this is the press release, right? I think that's an effective way to uh, you know, change the angle of how we are solving problems and fostering that culture. Yeah. I think, well, um, having been in a few different environments, I can say that I don't think there are any best Practices or single best practices. There are more so principles that you can follow. Definitely, one key principle is working with the end goal or the customer experience in mind, and, and then uh, working backwards, right? For sure, uh, that's I think intuitively something that I personally do, and is something that is translated well even in a professional context. Um, but I, I think a major point to address is that so much of how you choose to operate and go about building this culture is dependent on the people at hand and then the broader organizational culture as well. Yeah. Because I think yeah. to Naveen's point of, uh, it is not just one org or sorry, sorry, division or team that succeeds, it's everybody coming together. If you do have a culture where teams are a bit more protective and throw others under the bus or are quick to point fingers as one, and I'm sure we've all been in such environments, that becomes a lot more challenging to do so, right? So you can try to say, hey, yes, let us, function well as a product and or product engineering team, but then you will have broader limitations, right? So then you have to invest a lot of your energy and time into building bridges across the board. And so it's a very different approach to take, right? Whereas if you already have that open collaboration, then your challenge is different, right? And then how do you go about addressing that? So I think that, I guess, comes through experience. There's pretty much no other way but to uh, face certain challenges, learn from them, and then know how to adapt. And then the bigger thing is then your speech adaptation hopefully improves as, as time goes by. Um, you think that's more significantly a challenge because your team is located global, like different locations? Not necessarily. I've actually seen it work very well when people have been fully remote mm -hmm. and I've seen it like communication be non-existent even though everybody's in the same office, right? So it, it really does vary. Um, I think yeah, it's very difficult to sort of place a single cause at that. But do you guys think that plays a factor? I know you guys just started going back to the office, right? The side, four days a week, and then you guys are full-time in the office. You think being remote and you know in the office makes a difference in terms of creating this culture? I need not, right? Our, like I said, our engineers are 3,000 kilometers away from where we are operating. We are at HQ, and we have like offices in uh, Australia and Hong Kong, right? I think the central point is, does the team have the clarity on like, hey, what are they trying to achieve now versus later? versus down the line, right? And uh, one thing that clearly works is having overlapping success metrics, right? Which brings teams yeah. together, right? Uh, because like, obviously, like, you know, this is the same thing both the teams want across the geography, right? And then they more communicate towards that. The decisions are going to be around that, right? So physical location, yes, it helps uh, if they are ad hoc problem solving, ad hoc brainstorming. 
you can never replace that you know it's absolutely a good thing to have but once you have that proper planning and clarity on the team on what you want to achieve uh, that is predominantly a bigger factor yeah yeah yeah, you mentioned something about kind of maintaining a transparency that loop just now, right? Yeah. Do you think that was just an issue or it's just, you know? Absolutely, right? Like, see, at the end of the day, the, the system's or team's success is as good as how people feel in this process, right? It's not about the outcome, finally, that gets measured and everyone gets rewarded, right? Mm -hmm. The going through the process it should be rewarding, right? For that, A, the team needs to contribute on their own, saying that, hey, this is what I want to do. This is what I feel, this is good. Like Max said, hey, this is what customers are saying, right? They need to opinionate views of customers and call this out. So in order to set that, I think as leaders, we'll have to show the vulnerability and show that, you know, you know, say it's a safe space. Anyone can comment on anything and change it and make it better, right? Just commenting is different and commenting and making it and giving a solution is different, right? How do you foster that uh, feedback loop and having that space to operate? Uh, is also a very key ingredient in this part. Yeah. Mm -hmm. one, one, one question I'll ask in, in in this regard is that I've seen that work very well, and I've, I've been in slightly more mature organizations, maybe Series B plus or let's say 100, 150 people plus, where there's more room and space for that. When you're very early stage, let's say C, C, A, sort of maybe still on the journey to product market fit, do you think that's feasible, viable, or? We, like basically amidst the chaos of, hey, we don't even know who our customers or clients are yet. Um, we don't have these longer feedback loops and we don't, maybe even OKR setting doesn't really make sense. Uh, any thoughts on, on how you go about it? Yeah, like, like you said, you know, it's the company's journey, life cycle journey, right? If you are a seeds, uh, like a seed company, I'm assuming that uh, you might have some engineers can work outside your environment, but the, the constant brainstorming is what is required, right? The, the, the speed of validating the ideas is super important, right? Uh, you don't have the luxury of time of bringing the team together. By design, the, there will not be many uh, teams at that point in time. Mm -hmm. The major problem there is not the culture, it's the actual product uh, idea validation, right? Mm -hmm. So all these things as a product culture applies when there's a growth stage and then there's a scaling uh, to it, right? But uh, when, when the idea is at a very seed level, right, that requires a different mindset. Predominantly, the founders would be driving those uh, discussions, right? And one or two guys would be the prime drivers on that, right? And it's absolutely okay in that way. Yeah, and I think it's, yeah, you don't really need it because the teams are always collaborating, right? They're such a small team. And that's what happened with, with Bubblegum, right? For one and a half years, it was just a very small team. and within a larger organization, mm -hmm. but uh, we, we created this kind of a sort of like a mini startup within within the, their own work. And the teams were just working together all day long, right? So they, there's no multiple teams, there's no multiple layer organization. It's uh, seven people uh, sitting in a room, uh, eight hours <laughs> a day, churning out, out, <laughs> out things and uh, screaming at each other, which is great. I mean, and, and, um, and trying things and, and, and breaking stuff and, and, uh, and learning every day, which is, I think it's at the core of then what the, then the culture will become later. But really, as Naveen said, I think it, the culture becomes important when you don't have that, yes. when you expand, when you become big, when you don't know who the, who's the people on the other side of the room and, uh, or on the other side of the planet. And so if you have a good culture, you assume that he's gonna 
work in this with the same you know mindset that you have and that's a really important because otherwise you risk of going in different directions right so the reason i brought that up is like again scholars is that state specific approaches are crucial and i think unfortunately many people make the mistake of doing either also you over optimize for for process too early when you don't even have a product or product market fit and then on the flip side you have people who have grown past a certain stage and you have more people and teams coming on board but then you haven't scaled communication you haven't scaled culture it's still like hey everybody just get in the same room collaborate it's like cool there are 40 of us how are we going to do this right so you have to learn to evolve and adapt based on that yeah yeah absolutely yeah and it becomes a very uh, ineffective and expensive way to run if we don't have that uh, structures in place right and that's where frustrations would you know easily break out right saying that hey, i'm doing this but i'm actually supposed to do this right uh, things like that yeah okay so there's no one method for all just depending on one stage what kind of company <laughs> culture you have sure. existing and but that, and it's the nature of, of this conversation right it's just as i said it's very difficult to define right there are so many variables yeah. uh the people that, yeah. that makes the organization and mm -hmm. the the stage, the level of experience of the people. Yeah. Uh, very, very hard to say, well, this is how you do it. Uh, it really depends, yeah. Okay, but there has to be a way to measure the success of it, no? So how do sure. you guys go about you know, doing that? Everyone's smiling now. <laughs> yeah, let's alone defining, right? Let's <laughs> go on to the measurements. Right? Like, yeah. It's a very, very tricky uh, subject to uh, go in and define and measure that, right? Like, but ultimately, your product success is the lead, the lag metric, right? Uh, for how customers are loving your product, right? Uh, ultimately manifests that at the end. But I do see this is a um, arts and science towards uh, approaching this, right? I'm assuming that this common culture would be uh, at a company level, right? And it would be like clearly defined, right? In terms of how we collaborate, how we make decisions, how we move fast, things like that, right? Uh, that actually sets some uh, early lead level indicators of how uh, well the culture is moving along in a particular direction. One could be how engaged the team is, right? Uh, in yeah. terms of how the team. Yeah, how engaged your team is, right? It, it covers a lot of things, right? If they're very clear about their day-to-day -day functions, if they're very clear about what they're trying to achieve, right? They'll be self-motivated and engaged, right? So the engagement level of teams could be measured, uh, quarterly or even monthly uh, mm -hmm. to act as a compass, right? Mm -hmm. One thing if you think of that, right? There are a couple of other things that uh, we observe uh, in this uh, autonomous team, how autonomous the teams are, how well they are, uh, you know, understanding genuine problems. If the solution is uniquely uh, positioned in the market, they clearly understand the underlying problem, right? Mm -hmm. So I think these are certain indicators that I personally uh, look at. Uh, on towards, hey, is the culture moving towards that? It's a quest, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's the thoughts that I have. So, yeah, I, again, not too much to add to that, right? Because it, it's, um, see, if you get into pure product outcome and input metrics, I think those can be easier to define and they become very specific to the product area that you're working on and building. But if you're sort of looking at the overall growth of the team, um, I think one important gauge for me is the independence on autonomy over time. So initially, depending on the maturity of the individual, or maybe even the group, it will be a lot more, for lack of a better term, top-down. So you will provide the input and the guidance, but as time goes by and there are faster groups, 
our teams themselves and product managers themselves coming forward with, okay, I understand that this is the approach or hypothesis we had, but hey, we have a few alternatives or hypotheses based on X, Y, Z. Some of those can be qualitative inputs, quantitative inputs, and that ties into the happiness engagement of the teams once they start sourcing problems, ideas, approaches. Um, a clear thing that I, I say is that <laughs> past the first or second time, if you don't come to me with a potential solution to a problem, I cannot engage. Go t- take another day or two, come back. It does not have to be your individual idea. Source it together with the team, source it from other departments, etc. That is how you develop independence and autonomy. And it's not that people don't have the capacity. It's a lot of the time they're maybe either afraid or concerned. It's like, I don't want to put my neck on the line. It's just like, uh, we found this thing. Hey, what do you think? The more trust you put in them. And that's, I think, a key part of the psychological safety is um, we have to allow and encourage people to learn from mistakes because I know I did not learn any other way. Uh, and I'm sure almost all of us are the same in that regard. So you meet people who are willing to take a chance on you. Of course, like <laughs> failure has a, a threshold or a limit. I think everybody is always accountable to certain results, outcomes within a certain time frame. Even within that, how quickly can you make the learning really happen um, and encourage people to take chances? Uh, and again, the reality is this is also where it ties into the nature of your product and business. If you're building something software related, or even if you're in an operational business, you take the, the risks with the lower impact or, or lower negative outcome um, efforts or, or projects, right? Uh, unless you're building software that you know is part of an ECG monitor or something, and hey, if you get it wrong, someone's going to die. Well, just like, then cool. Please take your time, rigorously test that, consult the experts. Sure, that's a very different issue. Um, if we're testing the checkout funnel of an e-commerce platform, please by all means take some chances, experiment. Of course, there are a lot of best practices out there. There are ways to measure this, but you need to entrust and empower people as much as possible. Yeah, if I may add like another, I think, interesting angle to, I think I agree with everything you guys said, so I'm not going to disagree with it, but just to add maybe an additional angle, is one way to measure is kind of a, the ability of the team to go to market, right? Because go to market requires kind of a, a lot of clarity in terms of what you want to do, it requires a lot of alignment, um, it requires good execution, uh, prioritization, understanding. And so if a team is is efficient and is able to go to market efficiently, quickly, in a positive way, I think for me, it's a good indicator. It means the team is working well. They, they're using all these tools in an efficient way and they're able to, 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 to have a positive uh, outcome also also for the business so definitely to me this one and the other thing is also like the ability of team especially in kind of a zero to one um, company so early stage in the beginning their ability to pivot efficiently right because uh, many times when you start a business or a company you know you, you you have some assumption you go and trying to build things but as you make some mistakes, you learn, maybe you need to adjust. And how do you do it? And how, you know, how efficiently you do it is actually usually a, is a good indicator. So if you do it all the time, that's not a good thing, right? Uh, if you keep pivoting, it's not a good indicator. <laughs> but if you have to pivot 
and, uh, and you do it efficiently, meaning you understand where, what, you, what kind of problem you have and what kind of mistakes you were making, readjust, recommunicate, reset, and actually build in different directions and are efficient. And, uh, and, and you, you can win, you can create, you can have some success. I think it's a good indicator of a team that works really well together. And usually it's a good product culture and general culture. Oh, very interesting. I have a question around that, right? We've all heard about uh, sprint retros, right? We look back at the sprint and we say, hey, what went wrong? What went well? What have I liked? What do we want to change? Yeah. I, do you guys believe that you know, we should do it for a, or a product feature or yes. believe like, hey, this last quarter, right, review at a, at a product level. Should you do a company right. level. Mm, yeah, <laughs> exactly, company level. Let's say, like, hey, we, we, our hypothesis was this, right? Yeah. What, did I, what did we learn as uh, teams, right? Do you think that I think you works? can apply this to everything, mm -hmm. like maybe even your family. No, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Um, so, I, I mean, I've seen that work very well. We have done that as well. Um, and Definitely think that's critical, right? So again, the, the time period between which you do them will vary depending on the level, right? So for actual development teams or product engineering design, yeah, definitely every sprint, however long your sprint cycles are. Uh, even for those teams, definitely quarterly, just review your goals. But as a function, definitely quarterly. As a company, maybe quarterly, maybe half yearly, definitely annually. Uh, you should ideally be having quicker feedback loops, but yes, that has to happen. And yes, particularly for product features and yeah, features too. Feature. Um, go back and revisit. Okay, cool. Maybe our hypothesis was right, but our execution was wrong. Mm -hmm. and, and just to come back to the point you made around uh, go-to-market, I think that's a fantastic observation, right? Because at the end of the day, if you just ship something and none of the other functions have come together and your marketing is not in place, your legal stuff is not in place, etc., it's kind of pointless at the end of the day. So that's actually a great indicator for is everything working as harmoniously as, as possible. So, thanks for that, I'm gonna steal it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so any other questions or? I know, like, uh, Any reason why the question was asked? I don't think, it's more uh, <laughs> trying to understand, you know, uh, how the other parts of the organization think about this, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think, I, I think just one comment, right, as I said before, it's very easy to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not easy to actually implement it. Um, uh, what I've learned throughout my years, right, that I know all these things inside my head, but actually practically they're not easy to do because you're facing, you know, human, human, <laughs> human being and human psychologies and and people that are at a different stage in their yeah. in their career and they have personal agenda or they there's personal relationship that are good or bad and there's politics and business and environments and it's a, it's a very difficult thing but I think if I can speak to people who are maybe moving into product management who are thinking about this um, I think this is one of the key um, tool I would say as a product manager especially as you grow into a senior role um, to you can use to try to move towards this ideal scenario. They would probably have described an ideal things, and I'm I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe maybe Naveen works in a perfect yeah. product. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a it's, it's always a question, it's always a quest, yeah. right? And so yeah. the, I want to make sure people don't think it's like, oh yeah, this is it should be like this the norm. It's not the norm, but knowing where you're going, I think it will help you to make some decisions. 
but don't expect to go into a company to find everything absolutely peachy mm-hmm. because I think it's going to be really difficult. Yeah, interesting you said, like, just now right before the podcast, we're talking about why, like, if there was a product management course, I would have taken it, but there still isn't. And yes. I think what my colleague was saying is that they haven't figured out the right way to teach product yet. Because <laughs> there's no right way. Yeah, because even the definition of product management changes completely. Cool. Company, Going back to Max's point, right? I think that's where I see this has two uh, overlapping stuff. One from a company culture point, support, which by in turn says that hey, at a leadership level, there's a strong buy-in for this, right? Mm-hmm. And they see the value of operating in this space, right? right? And and that will not happen in day one, right? And, and that's where product managers and product folks has a lot of role to play, right? Putting these things, putting these common principles, and solving this at a very microcosm level, and showing that how it's like adding value to the overall team. And also, I think I think another point very interesting, right? Sometimes the 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 people in the company that are most difficult or they're struggling the most are, are the one at the top of the organization. Usually, kind of the the founders and the CEO. Mm-hmm. And because they tend to see things in a certain way, I mean, which is which is normal because of them. And so I, I think it's it's kind of one of the skills is really trying to influence, right, right? and help people, especially above, um, to understand why this is important. Because Levine is right. I mean, if they don't understand why this is important, it's going to be very difficult to do it across the company. Right, and so you need to have the support from the top that understand why it is important as a process, right? Why we're doing certain things because I think it's a bit counterintuitive, right? In, a, in the human kind of psychology, tend to think, oh, this is the problem. I see, it, I solve it. I know the solutions. Why don't we do it? Let's do it. Do it mm-hmm. now, right? And that's how people think, right? And, and in reality, that's most of the time that decision is wrong. Right, and the product culture and the and what product management does is really creating a system around making the right decisions, right? And but the, the top of the organization needs to understand that, right? That actually is actually helpful. This process is actually helpful to make the right decisions that are ultimately benefiting the company and the business. Basically, yeah. yeah. I'll just add one point uh, or, or one last comment. Um, so this is advice that was given to me a few years ago by uh, one of my slash managers at the time um, he he would always send me articles on the best practices of product management right like a lot of them written by the Silicon Valley product yes. and then a few other uh, authors out there and then yet separately when we'd have product reviews and things you would like I would get feedback or criticism like hey you're, you're not being practical enough you're not being pragmatic enough. and then one day I was like dude like you keep sending me these things about the ideal state, but then you want me to just like do the simple button or feature like, what's going on? They, they don't add up. And then he was like, so I'm sending you those things so that you keep in mind this ideal end state and always work towards that, but realize that that is basically a nirvana or almost a, a hypothetical dream state. But I grill you like this so that you always come back to the ground reality of your product, your customers, your business. Build towards this, work towards this, you have to keep that in mind so that you can convince our CEO and our leaders and so on. But in reality, if you deliver these results, then they will buy in yeah. 
and listen to you to say, okay, cool, this guy knows how to get something done. Maybe we'll listen to him and, and work towards this day. But if you just keep talking about that, but don't deliver the yes. ground results, a CEO will not care. So like, uh, please read all the tweet threads, read all the LinkedIn <laughs> thought posts and so on, but deliver. All the gurus. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, so, so anyway, as product managers or people, you have to keep a lot of things in mind, but this is something that's crucial, I think. All right. Yeah. Thanks, guys, for sharing. I think that's about time. Okay. We have um, that's all we have today. And thank you for tuning in. Our podcast when it's published, and stay tuned for the next one. Bye. Bye.